Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you for having me. It's like you have a great crowd this morning. And uh, everybody always leaves when I start preaching. They always walk out. But uh, I'm glad those that are staying, thank you for staying. <laughs> if you love your pastor and pastor's wife, would you clap your hands? Thank the Lord for them. Amen. I love my parents very much, and I appreciate all the love you show them, and I pray that you continue to do that so I don't pray against you. Amen. We're so thankful to be with you today. I've got three texts for those that have their Bibles. Uh, Job chapter 39, 13 through 18. Psalms 102, verses 6 and 7. And John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. If you didn't bring your Bibles, I'm sorry, because normally you get to cheat and look at the screen. But today you have to have the on your phone or something. But Job 39, verse 13 through 18, Psalms 102, verse 6 and 7, and John 4, verses 1 through 3. Job said in 39, Gavest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich, which leaveth her eggs in the earth and warmeth them in dust, forgetteth that the foot may crush them or that the wild beasts may break them. She is hardened against her young ones as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear, because God hath deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. What time she lifteth up herself on high, she scorneth the horse and his rider. Psalm chapter 102, verses 6 and 7. Psalm chapter 102, verses 6 and 7, I am like a pelican of the wilderness, now of the desert, I watch, and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. I want to preach something that I uh, I felt this last week, actually, uh, for, for your church, and I felt it for our church. It was definitely from the Lord. I hope it helps. And I want to preach to you from the subject, ostriches, pelicans, and disciples. Ostriches, pelicans, and disciple. Would you turn and ask someone around you, are you an ostrich or a pelican? <laughs> I think you're going to find out what you want to be here in a minute. Lord Jesus, have your way. Loose your authority, your power, your word in the atmosphere in that church. I pray for great revival to come forth. We thank you for what you've already done in Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I, I've only been pastoring a year, but in the last two weeks, we've had uh, nine people baptized and seven people get the Holy Ghost this in the last two weeks. And thank the Lord. And we've had we've had abnormal growth. And I'm excited about that. But but something I've noticed in the last two weeks that I did not realize the first uh, 10 or 11 months is that revival comes in seasons. Uh, there's times where a church is just holding on, and then there is a time where uh, revival seems to break forth and babies are being born. 
And it's a, it's a funny thing how right before the revival breaks out, you know how the enemy works and all hell breaks loose and people go crazy. But but that's usually a sign that something good is coming. And 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 so we we endured some things. And then all of a sudden we've had this little wave of revival where people are getting baptized and getting the Holy Ghost. And I was an evangelist for 20 years. And I can tell you that revivals can be short or long. Revival seasons can be a a long breakthrough, or they can be a short season based upon the attitude of the people in the church, the, the saints in the church. That really determines the length of the revival. We are the mother. The church is the mother, and it's our job to take care of the babies that are being born into the kingdom of God. And and sometimes when we are doing our best and taking care of them, God sends us more disciples, more babies. But there's times when uh, we're doing our own thing and revival seems to be a, a blip on the radar. A good Sunday every few months, a few people getting the Holy Ghost, a few people baptized, then we just kind of go back to having church as normal. I want us to go into a season of revival where things are continually happening because God is trusting us with the people that he is sending us. I think the only way that happens is the church has to care about the harvest as much as the pastor cares about the harvest. You have to desire and want that to happen because I can tell you this, it took a lot of drama, letdowns and suffering just for us to tap into that birthing dimension where the babies were being born. And when you know you're in a season of revival, you'll do anything to keep that atmosphere going. I hope you want revival to continue. I hope you're someone that's wanting to feed the fire and wanting revival to get hotter and hotter and hotter. I can tell you this, one carnal person can kill a revival. Mm. If you don't believe me, just go read the story of Jericho and they finally got the promised land and they're going to have all this stuff. And one person decided he wanted the stuff, he wanted the money, he wanted the clothes, and they lost the next battle and got defeated after their greatest victory in their history. Revival was breaking forth and instantly it stops because one person had the wrong motives during the revival. I, I don't want to be like that. I want everyone to be unified. I pray for unity in Palmer Pentecostal Church right now. I pray for the unity of the Holy Ghost because what God is doing is too precious for carnality to kill. Amen. Ananias and Sapphira killed the revival. They literally held back something and God killed them and then it ultimately messed up the revival. Then it launched a higher revival. In other words, you can delay revival with your carnality, but revival will go on without you eventually if you try to stop it. God wants his church to grow. He wants his church to multiply and he wants you to be a part of it as well. Amen. Amen. I think there's some there's some things we can learn from the ostrich and the pelican about making our disciples. First of all, I think the worst mom ever in the world is an ostrich. <laughs> uh, the Bible said she takes her eggs and she just drops them in the dirt. When she she doesn't build a nest, she doesn't put them in a safe place. She doesn't go somewhere in the shadows 
but she just leaves them in the field. I know a lot of hunters down here in Texas that have told me that when they go hunting, they'll see ostrich. If they go on these ranches, there's ostrich eggs all over the field, and they have to be careful to avoid them because the ostrich just drops the egg anywhere. She says, let the egg develop in the dust. I'm not there. I don't care about it. And I'm just going to bring it here and bring it to a certain point. And that's all that I'm obligated to do. Can I tell you something? Uh, disciples, we lose people by thinking it's only our job is to get them to come to church one time and then we'll hand them off to the church. And if if they're going to make it, they know where we are. And, and I invited them and that should be enough. If we're really going to see them grow and develop, we've got to go beyond caring about getting them to church one time and reach to them after church is over. I know this is not going to be popular, but when's the last time you walked across the aisle to a new convert and said, what are you doing for lunch today? What can I, where can I take you? What can I do to help you? This is how revival is, is birthed and grows. We can't just say, well, I'm just going to bring my person and drop them off at the church and the church, it's their job. It's pastor's job now to grow them. No, it's your job. God gave you that egg. God gave you that baby. You're the one that came in contact with that person. You're the one that connected with him or her. And that's why you are in charge and helping them. But the ostrich said, let the dust warm them up. Let they're going to, if the eggs are going to be warm, which the eggs need to be warm for the growth of the chick, the ostrich said, let the dirt warm them up. <laughs> uh, that's what's scary is church members. Just let the, the, let the world warm the egg. I invited them. I did my job. They didn't come. Let somebody else invite them. That's they're never going to grow like that. We've got to be the warmth and that they need in this world. This world is cold and wicked and evil and dark and disgusting. And their relationships at home are not helping them. And their relationships in the world are not helping them. And you can't expect a demon to warm the ostrich egg. You need to be the one that's there saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to answer your text. I'm going to answer your call. In fact, I'm going to reach out to you because I know you're in a tough atmosphere and I want you to develop and I want you to grow. The, the ostrich shows, God shows us that this is so scary that it said there's two things that she does. She forgets that the foot may crush the egg and that the wild beast may break them. The two quickest ways for a disciple to die is first of all, to be crushed by man. It's the foot of the man, not the animal. It's crushed by a foot, not a hoof. It said the ostrich forgets that the it can be crushed by anything. Let me just say something. I know I you may I know I'm I'm nothing compared to dad, but I've watched firsthand. I, I watched last week as we had a potluck. I watched as our guests were being sent to the front of the line, and I watched as one of our church members yelled out, "Hey, there's a line here!" and told the guests to move. And I watched the guests not come back the next service. I'm, I'm I'm telling you, we've got to be there. Idle words can crush a disciple. We can't just be rude until you're in my seat. You're in my parking spot. I, they know who we are. No, if they're going to make it, there's got to be love coming from our spirit, from our facial expressions, from our tones, and from our words. We've got to get beyond ourselves. Well, that's my personality. I'm rude. Well, you need to pray through and get the Holy Ghost and stop being rude to the babies because the babies need love and they need support and they need someone to give them words of life, not words of bitterness, 
Don't gossip about the church to a baby. Don't gossip about pastor to a new convert. You shouldn't be gossiping anyway, but don't gossip about people to the new babies. They can't handle it. They're crushed by these words. You just walk on and forget about it. And then they skip church the next two services because they don't know if they should come back or not because your words stepped on them. I don't want this to be like that. God, give us the spirit that says, let me lift them up. Let me encourage them. Let me edify them and strengthen them with the words that I say. Hallelujah. And the second thing that kills a disciple is the Bible said it's broken by the beast. Oh, that's the atmosphere. That's the demonic stuff they come from. That's the, the animals in their life. That's the evil people that they're around. They're either going to be crushed by the church or crushed by the world. And this is what kills babies and keeps them from growing in the church and the church having revival. It's either the church people are clueless and say things they shouldn't say or the church doesn't love them and they go home and they get attacked by their spouse and they get attacked by their family and they get mocked by their co-worker or by their friends and then they get crushed by the church and broken by the beast. God help us to get into a dimension where we don't let the babies get murdered by the spirits that their atmosphere is in. <laughs> We've got to get to that place where we're loving them back to life and we're strengthening them no matter what they're coming from. They live in hell, but they can expect heaven here. They might have hell in their home, but they can expect heaven here. They might have hell in their conversations, but they can expect heavenly conversations here. Don't walk up to the guests and tell them how bad your life is, how terrible your week was. Even if it was terrible, walk up and say, the Lord is so good. Aren't you glad to be part of an amazing church. God is blessing us. You don't know what's stepping on them at home. She is hardened, the Bible said. The ostrich is hardened against her young ones as though they are not her own. In other words, she doesn't even act like she birthed them. She doesn't even care. A lack of time with the egg will reveal your lack of, of, of hum humility and hunger for the egg to grow. If you're not with the person very much, you'll see them as a problem and not a possibility. You'll see them as, as someone that drains you and not someone that can become something. I know it's crazy. And I know I'm a pastor, but when someone comes through the back doors of our church for the first time, I don't sit there and think, wow, they need to change clothes. They need to do this. I think, wow, I wonder what they could be one day. That could be a youth pastor. That could be a missionary. That could be a greeter. That could be a teacher in our church. You've got to see potential and not problem. You've got to see their future and not their past. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. She gets angry at them because they're a problem to her. That's what's killing our revival. Church members that are hardened against the babies. You know why you're hardened? Because you didn't teach the Bible study. You didn't go on the outreach. You didn't show up to help. You weren't there following up. And it's no big deal if they live or die. Oh, In fact, the New Living Translation says that she does not care if they die. That's what the New Living Translation says about the part where her labor is in vain without fear. It says she does not care 
if they die. She's living without feelings. This revival didn't cost me anything. I'm not really involved. I'm not really giving it all I've got. I can sit down and stare down the preacher every service and never move and never engage and never pursue it. I'm not really in. I'm just here because I'm supposed to go to church. Let me tell you something. That's an ostrich spirit that says, I don't have to be involved. I don't have to help the babies. We, we need you. If you're going to have revival, you've got to get somebody. I'm telling our church, grab a disciple and hang on right now. Find a baby and hang on and say, we've got to build a relationship. We've got to go out to lunch. We've got to hang out and we've got to connect. That's the only way they live. It's the only way they make it. The Bible said, uh, Dad, that because God hath deprived her of wisdom, neither hath he imparted to her understanding. She is an example of ignorance to the church. He's showing us what we look like as a church when we do not care about the babies. He's saying, this is how you come off to me. You're ignorant. You don't care. You don't have any wisdom. You don't have any understanding. You think revival is just going to come to you. But when I send you babies, you walk out the door with your friends and you go to lunch with the same church people and you pray with the same click, but you don't go pray for the babies. You don't go across to the back row and stretch your hand out and shake somebody else's hand. Can I help somebody here? If you always go to the same church people every service, you are stuck in a rut. You need to go find the new converts and the new people and start praying with them and hanging out with them. That's what's going to build revival. They've got all the relationships in the world pulling them the other way. And then they see you with your five people that you shake hands with every service and the same people you pray with every service. And we huddle up on our little football huddle. And this is my little prayer group. And listen, that's not helping them. They need you to break free from your prayer group. Go back and pray with them about their pain, their love once their situation and they're going to feel the I feel the Holy Ghost. They're going to feel the church's anointing and love come to them in a way that they've never felt before. If you believe it, would you clap your hands right now? Would you clap your hands and say, let me be a part. Let me mother these babies the way God wants them mothered. Okay. If that was bad, this is worse. <laughs> Verse 18 she, she, she lifteth up herself on high and scorneth the horse and his rider. Brother Stacy, in the New Living Translation, this it says this. She jumps up to run. She passes the swiftest horse with its rider. In other words, she don't care about raising babies because she's racing horses. She's competing with something that's not even her species. She's got other things in life distracting her that are more important as they pass by her than what God is giving her right there. She's got more things to get distracted by. That's why people skip church every other week. That's why people think vacation and fishing is more important than church. And I'm sorry, but it's true. And if you need to be gone every other Sunday, you are chasing horses while the babies die in the eggs. And sooner or later, you've got to get to a place where I want to do that, but I can't chase the horse because I got a baby. I got a disciple that's on the front row. God help us if our disciples are coming to church and we're not. 
God help us when we are out chasing this and chasing that, when there's babies being put right at our feet and we prayed the prayers and God sent us the harvest. Don't leave it and abandon it because you need a new boat and you need a new four-wheeler and you need a new house and you need this and you need that. And, and you got these friends doing this. Oh God, help us. The egg is going to die. The egg's going to be crushed to death if someone doesn't care for and say, no, I'm not chasing that. I'm staying with this. That's why social media is horrible, by the way. You can wake up and feel good about yourself, then get on social media, and after five minutes of scrolling, you feel like a loser, you feel pathetic, you feel overweight, you feel discouraged, you feel because you compare yourself with all these people that are posting their fake life, and all of a sudden you're chasing horses, and the devil just pulled you from your mission. You were supposed to wake up and text your friend about coming to church, but instead you scrolled and got distracted by the horses. Let me tell you in the Holy Ghost, it's time to Focus on the new convert. It's time to focus on your co-worker, the one that keeps asking you about church and asking you about the Bible. That's the baby that God's putting in your lap. And that's what the Lord wants you to focus on. Don't be an ostrich. Mm. But then huh, there's the pelican. The pelican, when, when it hatches its eggs, puts the eggs, when it birds its eggs, puts the eggs in a nest. And then the mom and the dad take turns staying in the nest, warming the eggs. They never, they never both leave the egg. They always are there making sure the egg is in the nest, making sure the egg is in the, in the place where it's supposed to be, checking on it and warming it and loving it. But this is what really stirred me and, and convicted me. The pelican, when the, when, the, when the chick is born, if the pelican does not have access to food, go look it up. The pelican will take its own beak and look at its own chest and begin to poke at its own chest, ripping the feathers off until the bare skin is there. And then the pelican will jam its beak into its chest, ripping its chest open, and then taking the blood and the meat from its own chest and feed it to the baby. So the baby lives. It says, even if I, oh, shut up. Even if I bleed, and even if I die, I've got to let the baby have a chance. I would rather suffer and the baby live than me go off and think I'm good while the baby's dying. Help us, Lord God, to be like the pelican. I may not have all the wisdom. I may not have all the money. But this may cost me something, but I'm going to do whatever I've got to do. If it costs me personally, I'll do whatever I've got to do to get the baby back to the house of God. I'll, I'll go by their house. House. I'll witness to them. I'll bring them coffee at work. I'll call them. I'll call them late at night and check on them. I'll pray with them over the phone. I'll take them out to eat. I'll help with their electric bill. Whatever. I've got to do. I'll rip it open. I'm bleeding, but the baby's living. Everything's not perfect, but the baby just had one more meal. Everything's not good at my house, but the baby's at God's house on Sunday morning. I, 
I feel a burden. I hope it's hitting somebody in that church. I hope it's landing right on your heart right now. I hope it's landing on you. I hope you're uncomfortable. I hope you're uncomfortable. I hope the Lord's saying, no, whatever you've got to do, win that person. Love that person. If you want 500, it's not going to come from pastor discipling everybody or Brother Stacy doing outreach. It's going to come from everybody in that building, finding a disciple and saying, it's my job to get this egg to heaven. It's my job to get this baby to the gates of glory. It's my job. It's my job to love them. When someone else talks down to them, I'm going to lift them up and make them forget about what was said. If they get abused at home, I'm going to strengthen them beyond the verbal abuse, beyond the physical abuse. I'm going to help them. I'm going to bring them until they're fully developed in the kingdom of God. Oh, so must it be with our disciples. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost effort. And that's why we don't do it because we're so comfortable. This is my seat. This is my parking spot. This is my church. I'm just trying to make it to heaven and not cause any problems. I'm just trying to get, and that's fine if that's who you are. But when God's dropping disciples, when God's putting eggs near you, when God's putting souls near you, you need to get beyond yourself and say, this is going to cost me, but I'm going to help someone else get to heaven. Someone helped you get there and God's going to have you help someone else. So listen to this. Uh, we had our little little uh, conference a couple of weeks ago at our church, and a young man came in the back row on the opening night, and I never saw him before, African-American young man. And I prayed with him, and I, I walked away, and then apparently he was possessed. I didn't know it. He was slithering on the ground like a snake. It was intense. The next night, they let me know. I went over there and prayed, and there was all kind of perversion. There's homosexuality and things and we cast it out of him and he started weeping and the devil screamed and went crazy and then he started weeping and he came to himself it was a powerful thing the holy ghost fell upon him and it was he was so broken it was so precious and I, I just thought he was visiting for the conference. About two weeks later, he walks in on a Sunday morning and he's sitting on the back row and no one recognized him because he didn't look like the guy that was possessed two weeks before. He was worshiping and raising his hands and tears rolling down his face. And he was he was praising God. In the next service, he was up in the altar dancing and shouting. And I said, I got to get to know this kid. And so I called him. His name is Terrence. And I said, Terrence, I don't know you, but what's going on? He said, he said, Pastor Herring, he said, I was raised in a, in a different denomination. I didn't know anything about this. He said, I went to a college. He said, I lived a horrible homosexual lifestyle. I'm deeply embarrassed by it. He said, and two years ago, I broke free, but there's been demons that have attacked me. He said, last year, I broke free from all those people. I cut them all off. I've not wanted anything, but every time I would come to church, those things would come on me, and I, I wouldn't mean to act that way. It just happened. He said, but I came to your conference because I'm from Mississippi, but I had a job interview down the road from your church a few miles, and I was trying to get a brand new start. He said, I got the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I got delivered that night at your church. He said, I went and got, I got the job the next day. And so I moved here and I live here now. I said, that's wonderful, Terrence. He said, yeah, I feel totally free. He said, do you have any church cards? I said, yeah, why? He said, I've been going around your city and knocking all the doors, but I don't have any cards to give people. I'm just... 
And I'm just telling people about what Jesus did for me at your church. And I'm telling them where it's at. And then he came last Sunday and he brought his friend. And we baptized his friend in Jesus' name. And Uche got the Holy Ghost last Sunday morning. And Terrence is trying to win people. He said, what's crazy, Pastor? He said, there's no desire for the homosexual lifestyle. I've been set free. And I know the power of God is real. And I just want to witness to everybody I can. Let me tell you something. I could look at Terrence and say, okay, good job. I, that's awesome. You go ahead. You do. But instead, I'm, I'm giving Terrence a Bible reading plan. I'm making him check in with me every single day. I'm making him journal. I'm making him grow. Why? Because he's a disciple making other disciples. If you want to win people, the new babies will be the ones that bring in the people. They have the relationships in the world, but they're not going to bring them if they're not being developed and they're not being strengthened. We've got to take our Terrences and say, let me pour into you because I know you're already taking this word and pouring it into others. He called me last week. He texted me and said, Pastor Uche, my friend that got the Holy Ghost and got baptized, he's reading the book of Acts every day. He's so hungry to a change. Let me tell you, God wants to give Give you revival more than what you've seen before, but you've got to get out of that comfort zone, Palmer. You've got to get out of that. Well, it's going to come someday mentality. Well, I hope we, uh, Brother Larry, I know you bring everybody. We need to have more people than Brother Larry bringing people. He's shown you how to bring people. We need other people to bring people. Go get people, love on them, be their friends, encourage them. And if they don't come, still be there, answer their call. Close with this. Two weeks ago, I came home and I was talking to a new convert in the church on the phone. He's on fire for God. And I said, man, I want you to become our baptistry coordinator. He said, what does that mean, pastor? I said, I want you to fill the baptistry up. We have a little horse trough thing every service. And I want you to pray over people all week long. And I want you to get people ready to get baptized. I'll take it serious. We went from having zero baptized in the last month and a half to nine people baptized as soon as I asked him to do that within a week, he's just a new convert, but he's so excited. I'm talking to him about revival. I come to the house. There's a guy in front of my driveway. He's marking up the sidewalk. They're going to put internet cables in the neighborhood. He's marking the sidewalk. He works for some company. And I, I walked up to him. I said, hey, man, what you doing? He said, I'm just putting these markers down. And we start talking. And before long, he tells me his name's Prezel. And we, we start talking about the Lord. And and, he, and he, we go our separate ways. I give him a church card. And about an hour later, I go back outside. He's back out in front of my house again. He said, I forgot something over here. So I start talking to him again. He promised to come to church that Sunday. He didn't come. He promised to come to church last Sunday. He didn't come. I thought, oh, man, he's got a fiance and a little girl. And he's, he, but this morning when I took the pulpit, I looked in the back row. And I said, you, Prezel, he said, it's me, Pastor. It's me. I'm here. We came today. And they loved it. They were weeping in the altar. And they told me they're coming back to church. Let me tell you, there's nothing more exciting than having a baby. It's saying, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what protocol is. But I, I came and I'm bringing people with me, too. That's what we've got to be like. We've got to find the people. We've got to love them. And we've got to disciple them. Let's stand right now. You, you can be an ostrich and you can say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm doing my best and they ought to be thankful. I'm just here paying tithes. You know what? That's fine. But revival comes from the pelican mentality. I'm going to be here 
with these babies. I'm going to go across the aisle and pray with somebody. I'm going to take somebody out to lunch and help somebody this week. It's not all on the leadership. The leadership cannot handle the harvest that's coming to Pente Palmer Pentecostal Church. You cannot handle it. What God is sending requires the people in the back, the people in the middle, the people in the second row. It requires you doing your part. You don't have to know all the details. You don't have to know the entire Bible. My word. Listen, give you a little tip. If you try to witness and they are arguing with you and debating with you, that's not the disciple. That's not the baby. That's a trap. That's 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 the enemy trying to drain your faith. The disciple is the one that you walk up and you start connecting with. And even, even, even if it's about the game or about the weather or about work or about family, whatever it is, that's the one. The disciples, the one that they don't, they're not trying to argue with you. They're looking for a relationship. They're looking for a connection. That's the one. Focus on the one that you don't have to fight with. And they're not going to care if you know what the book of Revelation means. They're not going to care if you know all the verses and about the Godhead. They just want to know, do you love me? Do you care about me? Will you text me? Will you reach out to me? If you'll get like that. God's going to send you somebody. I just told our church, if you really want to pray, if you want God to show himself true and answer a prayer, pray for a disciple. Pray for someone that you can lead. Because guess what? He'll, he'll give you that. He may not give you the house you're asking for. He may not give you the car you're wanting. But he will give you that person. If you really want it, he'll give you that one person. I love what Brother Gleason said. He said, slow down and save the world. Slow down and save the world. We're having this big vision. It's going to happen. It's going to happen one disciple at a time, one prayer meeting at a time, one Bible study at a time, one relationship at a time. If you've got somebody in mind, maybe they're at the church right now. Maybe they started coming. Maybe they've never come. Someone in mind that you know is 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 someone that keeps crossing your path, would you raise your hand right now? If you've got someone in mind you can talk to about the Lord. If you've got nobody in mind, you need to pray for someone to come. Because guess what? They're not going to want pastor's story. They're not going to want my story. They're going to connect with your story. They're going to connect with your life. You're the one that God's going to send into their pathway. And you're the one that's going to be able to know what they need. And you need, you got to pray. God, give me the wisdom. Give me the ability. Give me the capacity and the strength to carry them and develop them. Because that's going to be, and guess what? I might be contradicting things. And if, if I do, your pastor's right and I'm wrong, okay? Your pastor's right and I'm wrong. And if I say something here that... You, it, then, then he's right and I'm wrong, and you just take what he says. But I told our church, you win a disciple, you teach them the Bible study, you bring them to church, I'll let you baptize them in Jesus' name. I'll let you baptize them. Show me in the Bible where it has to be preachers that baptize people all the time. 
That's not in the Bible. There's, there, there's, I told our people, it means more to you. That's quiet because we're not used to that. It's got to be this person baptizing them. But let me tell you something. I will let our people baptize people because they are the ones winning them, talking to them, living the life for them. And you know what? It's, it, it's lit a fire in our people. I want to bring someone to the waters and dunk them in the water in the name of Jesus. And you know what? I may take heat for that. I don't even care. And if he says something against that, then he's right and I'm wrong. I'm just telling you what I'm telling our people. You know what? I'm not just going to let you come and bring them all. Okay, now stop at the, at the door of the delivery room. Now you go out and wait in the waiting room. You get to be there when this happens. You get to be there laying hands on them when God fills them with the Holy Ghost, when they're coming out of the water. You get to. I'll close. I say that. I keep. I just feel the Holy Ghost. There's a there's a girl from the Philippines that moved here on a work visa. She's apostolic. And she moved here to Frisco on a work visa. There's a new PGA golf course they just built. And and she she came to our church. And she brought a friend of hers that was not apostolic. And my wife went and taught them a Bible study at Panera Bread. That, that, this, that girl got the Holy Ghost, has been baptized in Jesus' name. They brought two more of their roommates. Both of those girls have been baptized in Jesus' name. They both, as, as of today, they both have received the Holy Ghost. And, and now the Bible study is not going to be at Panera Bread because there's more of these girls in the Philippines they're going to the apartment complex to the conference center and they're inviting all the roommates tomorrow night and all their friends to the Bible study because it's here. And I told the apostolic girl, I said, you can baptize your friend in Jesus name. She said, no, pastor, I don't want to do that. You baptize her. And so I did. But she was there when all three were coming out of the water. She was there beside them when all three got the Holy Ghost. And she's been there. And my wife's been discipling them. And she's got this group of girls now. Let me tell you, we've got to have revival. And it's got to be your part and my part. And we've got to do all we can do to win somebody and carry them all the way to heaven. Amen. You know, what we do right about now is we come to the altar and we cry our burden away. And we worship and we pray. And then within 30 minutes, we forget it. And I got to put these principles into practice someday. And someday, I, and I'm not asking us, that's not wrong. But what I'm saying is I want this to go home with you. I'm, I'm not interested in, and I'm not there. Maybe if I was there, I would want you to get a breakthrough. I hope you do get a breakthrough. But I want the breakthrough to get into your car and into your job and into your school and into your family to where that the, the conversations start. I hope in the name of Jesus, I hope that some of you are calling pastor this week and saying, pastor, I got a Bible study. Pastor, I got a Bible study with somebody. I'm meeting somebody for lunch. That's what I hope happens. Because that's what's going to make the difference. Would you raise your hands? I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, you know every person in that building. And you know the relationships you're setting in place. And you know the people he that you are crossing their paths with. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to give Palmer Pentecostal Church wisdom and boldness and access to these babies. Lord, you have given a vision 
of hundreds of people coming and being a part of this church. I'm asking you to take them beyond vision, take them beyond strategy, and take them into relationships right now. God, give them people that call them and want to be a part. Give them people that are hungry. And God, I know it's going to be tiring, but God, take them and help them to teach the Bible studies and lead the disciples all the way to the water. And let's watch the eggs hatch. And let's watch the babies be born. And God, fill them with the Holy Ghost and teach them and transform their life to live this life that you've called them to live. In the name of Jesus, I release a burden right now on every pew, on every man, woman, boy, and girl. A burden for Bible studies. A burden to talk to somebody, to witness to the waitress. To witness to the family member in the name of Jesus. For where would we be if someone had not talked to us? Where would we be if someone had not loved us? And where would we be if someone not discipled us? God, forgive me for being like an ostrich. Forgive me for not caring, for walking away because I had more important things to do and I had more important people to talk to and I had to race the horses. God, don't let me race the horses, but let me raise the babies. Let me raise the babies. Let me be like the pelican and let me rip myself open and truly give all I have for the kingdom so that you can give life to the ones that you're reaching for. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let this go to your homes. Pastor, I'm going to give this back to you right now, and I want you to just take it and whatever you feel to do. In that altar call, it's all you guys, but I hope it gets somebody. I hope somebody gets it. Make a disciple, and your disciple will make a disciple, and multiplication will begin. I love you. Recording stopped.